Oh, hey, Luna. Hey, operator. Thank you for joining me on this, what is now the 50th episode. Wow. Can you wow. believe that? 50 episodes. What a ride. What a ride. To think that we're ending it here. Just kidding, we're not. Yeah, I know. It's going to be tough <laughs> to live without it. But we said we'd do 50 and we'd quit. So <laughs> We've we've reached the apex where, uh, where this, this, this uh, bucket of bolts is going. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs> No. Um, hey, one thing that we mentioned a long time ago that I've mm-hmm. completely kind of mismanaged, not mismanaged, just haven't used, is uh, I built a voicemail system into our contact page on 1159 Media. And we haven't mm-hmm. talked about it in a long time, but I, I amassed a handful and I still get them. People send voicemails. So I thought uh, sometime during this episode, I might inject one of those uh, heartwarming voicemails for you to hear. Oh, that'd we, be great. We had some can, cool can, can I plug something for Dark Topic? Yeah. Since you're talking about that? Yes. So the operator is going to set up a voicemail for uh, Dark Topic. For those who listen to Dark Topic and are wondering where it's been, I'm sure some people are wondering about 911 too, but we're, we're back. Here we are. We're doing everything. Going bananas here. Um, is for Dark Topic, I'm starting a season three. And I have a goal of at least two two a month, but there's going to be an additional episode that I do each month to keep more in touch with uh, the public listening audience called Waking Up with Jack Luna, where I get up in the morning, I read an old newspaper article because I don't read the real news. I like to just read the old news, you know. <laughs> uh, sobering thoughts because I haven't been drinking for quite some time now, but I'll probably fall off the wagon. That's a good attitude <laughs> at some point. And um, also I wanted to have a, a portion of it where I respond to listener comments or questions. So there's going to be a voicemail there. Uh, for Dark Topic as well, if anybody has a question or a comment or something they want me to talk about on that show over on Dark Topic once a month. I love that. And that voicemail box will – so we'll have the one on the contact page and we'll also have the voicemail box on the Dark Topic page on 1159media.com. So if you want to send Jack a specific voicemail about that or you want to send us anything general, you can use the contact one on the cool. contact page. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks for letting me plug my show. You bet. Thanks for the extra coding work that I'll have to do to put that. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not it's a pain in the ass. I should just give him my home phone number. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be no, awesome. But, but. I just love that you still have that tape-based voicemail recorder. That's amazing. Burp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, hey, Luna. Hey. When you hear the name New Mexico, what comes to mind? Uh, the atomic bomb. Oh. Trinity. Didn't okay. they do the first atomic bomb? It was called Trinity, I think. Okay. Good, good. Um, and um, uh, Mike Judge, I think he was inspired to do King of the Hill by his time spent in Albuquerque. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mike Judge. I think I know a lot yeah. of people are, but Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill. I think of Mike Judge and uh, Atomic Blast. Okay. Those are those are yeah you know you know some history about New Mexico that's cool. Here's a fun fact to know and share about New Mexico. Did you know that New Mexico was named New Mexico 223 years before Mexico was named Mexico? Whoa, that's really weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Of course, Mexico had been in existence for a very long time, like thousands of years, but. Before its initial name of before its official name of Mexico, it had been called the Viceroyalty of New Spain, and it was the Viceroyalty of New Spain for years and years and years 
even after New Mexico had already been named New Mexico. So why did they name it New Mexico when there wasn't an old Mexico? Well, it wasn't based on Mexico. It oh. was it was the the translation by the Spanish that 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 founded or landed or made it official for New Mexico. Uh-huh. The translation translates to uh, oh. Spain, basically. So it was sort of okay. a New Spain. New Spain. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, That's cool. So they called it New Spain, and that makes sense because uh, anytime something is named New something, you would think that there's an old something. So in this case, yeah. it wasn't Mexico. It was the, the Spanish origins. Uh, 223 years before Mexico's name Mexico. Crazy. That is really crazy. I think that New Mexico actually was a part of Mexico proper at some point, and they just kind of, the states just kind of cleaved it off for themselves, too. Is that not correct? A lot of that southern, there's a lot of storied history with the southern portion of the United States, Texas, you know, all those yeah. places. There, there was a lot of that, which technically before the United States carved stuff up, it was, you know, all Indian land yeah. anyway. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we, we, we don't, we don't want to get into that. Yeah. Uh, but but one more thing. I believe in New Mexico, can't you stand in five different states at one particular part or four yes. different states? There's yeah. a volcano, surprisingly. There's a volcano in New Mexico where if you're on the top of the volcano, you can see five different states from that volcano. Wow. Can I read you something really quick? I know we're kind of... Yeah. This is fast. This is a quote from Mike Judge about uh, King of the Hill. It it occurred to me when I was talking about that. It's pretty funny. Uh, It's him talking about if he's politically charged in any way when he's creating this stuff. Because it's it's really interesting. Like The Simpsons, King of the Hill, um, those kind of shows, they had a real... They could have a real sway on the people's points of view if they're politically leaning in some kind of way, right? A South Park. But this is what he had to say about that. Cool. I try not to let the show get too political. To me, it's more social than political, I guess you'd say, because that's funnier. I don't really like political reference, humor that much. Although I like the episode from King of the Hill, Hank's Bully, where Hank's talking to the mailman and he says, quote, Why would anyone want to lick a stamp that has Bill Clinton on it? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's just more of a character thing about Hank than it is a political joke or anything. Anyways, I just wanted to share that from, from him. Uh, uh, he's, he's great, Mike Judge. I and like the that. show King of the Hill. Or, yeah, King of the Hill is amazing. I love that delineation between social and political. That's something I think has been lost. Like, we yes. bundle everything up into, does it trigger us or not, right? But, but there is. There's, there's difference. And, and, and we, funny, funny enough, so many of these shows have under have defined that so well for themselves in the way that they produce content that we just find it acceptable. Simpsons and Family Guy mm-hmm. and you know nobody's coming after them. <laughs> no, because they figured uh, most it out. Of them are kinda, thank, thankfully, you know that none of them. Well, the big ones went to one side or another, and some people might uh, dispute that. Right. But I think they really did a good job. Those shows, especially The Simpsons. King of the Hill and like South Park where they just tried to make fun of everybody. Yeah. Like and Kent. that's important. <laughs> like yeah. Kent Chungus. He's good at that. He'll offend he everybody that. at the same time so everybody feels offended and they all hug him. <laughs> it's crazy. I can't it's, do that. I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a couple other interesting things about mm-hmm. New Mexico. Did you know that the, the capital of New Mexico, which is Santa Fe, is the highest above sea level capital in the entire nation 
No, you. I, yeah, that surprise that surprises me because I always pictured New Mexico as being all desert for some reason, right. but it isn't. They got mountains in there. They're they, really they're seven thousand feet above sea level. I saw right here seven thousand one hundred and ninety nine feet above sea level is Santa Fe. Wow. That's that's higher than uh, the Mile High City in Denver. Um, wow. Yeah, to your point though, they've they've got everything down in New Mexico. Like uh, being a hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a, a food in the freezer hunter, not a, not a trophy hunter, they have some of the largest deer and elk in the nation, in the low, I would say lower 48, because mm-hmm. Alaska just breeds giant monster everything. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, crazy. The, the whole place. Uh, one more thing. Did you know it's actually illegal to dance while wearing your sombrero? In New Mexico? In New no, Mexico. wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's why all the pictures of drunk middle-aged ladies in sombreros are blurry because they're being grabbed by the cops when the Insta <laughs> was instead. I They didn't know it, right. now we know it, so just don't do that there. Good to know. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start off right away with some 911 call audio. The call that you're about to hear was made secretly by a small nine-year-old boy named... Boy? Hey, you know what, actually... <laughs> Jack? Yeah. So I'm I'm picking Sam up. Yep. And he's already on the bus back. You know what we should do, man? Can we finish this part? We can finish this part right here, get to the part where the call starts, and then we can pick it up the rest of it later. Yeah, because this is like five bullets and and if you're okay, if you got time, I'll just go get him and come back and we'll just we'll hit record. We can bang up the rest. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Just finish this part and get into the call and then we'll finish for now. Okay. So the call that you're about to hear, um, the call that you're about to hear was made secretly by a small nine-year-old boy named Omari Varela. The call spans 21 minutes in total, and it's a bit hard to hear due to the fact that Omari had to conceal the call from being noticed by his mother and stepfather. So this call, nine-year-old boy, took place on June 22nd, 2013. You ready for me to uh, to hit play? I just want to talk a little bit more about Mike Judge here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in New Mexico. No, no, I'm ready. ready. All right, here we go. It's all me. It's not on the now. 
Okay, so in this case, the dispatcher that took the call urged the responding officers to listen to what she had heard on that 911 call. Uh, the log sheets show that the dispatcher urged them to listen to what she called, quote, terrible, severe verbal abuse of a child. You hear what's going on and you can tell that some of it is sort of that parental... I'm trying to do this so that you don't end up like a dirtbag on the street. Uh -huh. You know, and they're, they're, so the abuse is veiled in this. We're just trying to bring them upright. You know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to give them responsibility. And, you know, abuse, abuse is often veiled in like looking at for your best interests, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially, obviously, verbal abuse. I mean, physical abuse is just straight up. But verbal abuse, man. And, and I hate Obviously, this is terrible parenting, <laughs> but I mean, this type of person who uses their position um, to siphon like a feeling of power from those who are weaker than them and being their children, even worse, yeah. it's hard to hear. Well, and our society is kind of bred to have different levels of it, like coaches. Yeah. Coaches are verbally abusive and dads who want their sons to be, you know, amazing athletes or 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 uh sam has a friend and the kid's graduated at this point mm -hmm. he's 14 he graduated high school homeschooled and in my mind i i know the parents and and uh, i would say culturally they there is a certain cultural aspect to their their driving for this education to be done at a rapid rate mm -hmm. there's some res things i respect about their approach also you got to know that that came with a a bit of motivation, which in some households, and I'm not saying this is their household, but in a lot of households, whether it's sports or whether it's education or you got a tiger mom or whatever those things are, <laughs> the pressure that's put on a child is off is often translated in this in this you're saying you want to encourage them for a better them, yeah. better you, better experience, better life. But peppered with that oftentimes is this like intense abuse <laughs> yeah and the the vibe like acting like you know i gotta be tough on you so that it's a tough world out there type of thing yeah. more often than not what's going on there is that the the parent themselves is miserable with their life and whether they want to admit it or not what they're saying out loud is like you're making life even harder 
on me just by being around. Yeah. And these things that you're going through are a pain in the ass for me. So shape up and figure it out. And actually, what they're doing at the end, in the end, is uh, just picking on their children. Right. Because it makes them feel powerful and because they feel weak with their position in life a lot of the time. I agree. It goes from, look, I'm doing this for your own good to, you see, Omari, that's why, dot, dot, dot. And that's why, but all you want to do is dot, dot, dot. You know, so it starts, it, it, the headline of everything coming out of their mouth is, oh, I'm doing this as a constructive thing. But then uh-huh. everything else after that is blaming the kid for their, their behavior. Uh, yeah. I've talked to parents who just bitch about their kids constantly behind their backs. It's like, hey, you got this problem with them. Why don't you, if you love them, sit down and talk, work it out with them, help them. Don't just like, you know, it's like, it's like they're acting like they're better than their own children. <laughs> yeah, well, like, and let's be honest. I think I think there's a good swath of society that I, w- I will never go as far as to say someone shouldn't have kids, but I confidently can say there are a lot of people that are ill-equipped yeah. to have kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. I'll say it. They, a lot of people shouldn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one star is attributed to Jack Please Only for that. <laughs> comment no 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 anyway um so she told the, the the dispatcher told the police she said quote you need to hear the 911 call in order to know how bad it was i can play it for you over the phone and even in the body cam footage you can hear one of the officers remark that the dispatcher sent the audio if they wanted to hear it the officers didn't review it they didn't review it at all before going to the house their body cam footage shows that they ended up buying the story from the parents that everything was okay and didn't choose to question Omari or any other child in the house privately. Even after the visit, the dispatcher pressed the officers again to listen to the tape so that they would have context when they called CYFD, and that's short for Children, Youth, and Families Department, which would be kind of like maybe like a Child Protective Services, CPS kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She said... Quote, that way you can actually tell them how bad it was. One of the officers responds by saying, quote, the guy, he's referring to Omari's stepfather, is a relative of an Albuquerque police officer that was just let go from the department. I'm I'm not quite sure how this is relevant. Seems like the officer is basically trying to either allude to the fact that this guy was good because his relative was a now former cop, yeah. which doesn't really hold too much value as a statement. <laughs> or that maybe that there's enough noise with that officer being let go that they didn't want to you know, rock the boat anymore. I'm not sure, but nothing that the officers did to justify not listening to it could really, in hindsight, be justified. Also, neither of the officers contacted CYFD ever which would be protocol in cases where there are indications of child abuse. So even if you go in the home and you don't see it, and the dispatcher's telling you, look, I just heard the whole thing go down, that should be enough protocol Mm -hmm. to push you to have to contact CYFD. Okay, now let's fast forward six months. We've made a lot of progress. Okay, well, the only thing that has progressed is time has marched forward and Omari has been beaten a lot more and CYFD had nine referrals on record regarding Omari at this point at that home, including two confirmed abuse cases. But as far as anyone from anywhere stepping in to help, we're still a big flat zero. What? Big flat zero. Flat? Yeah, big flat. 
Okay. You know, like just laying there, like blump, like oh, nothing. Oh, yeah, true. All right. Like on a, like 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 you see on a football field, just big, flat, zero. <laughs> okay. Okay, I have another 911 call for your earballs to absorb. But first, speaking of ads, <laughs> guess, guess which famous person was nicknamed ads? I don't, I don't want to. Okay, I don't know. I couldn't find one. I thought, hey, that would be kind of a fun fact is, speaking of ads, here's a celebrity that was nicknamed ads. I couldn't find one, but I really feel like we should change that. This episode is already suffering from enough big flat zeros. So if anyone listening knows of a famous person who has a nickname of ads, please like, subscribe, and tell us in the comments. Got to pay the bills. (laughs) Got to pay the bills. Okay, Okay. here we go. My son was playing on a, it's a metal horse, like a rocking horse. My two-year-old pushed him off the, pushed him off the horse, and it looked kind of like he was having a seizure or something. So I was trying to do CPR and push on his chest and try to get him. Thing. What address are you at? He's really out of it, and he was pushed off the metal horse. Yeah, well, he was playing on it, and my little boy uh, gets real aggressive and doesn't like to share him. So I thought Amari's leg had got stuck, and he would have had enough time to catch himself but he didn't catch himself and he I heard him hit himself his head so I tried to push him pushing on his stomach trying to get him and the little my little boy got was getting really excited and say Mari play Mari play and I tried to put cold water on him oh, so he was having a seizure so she pushes on his chest like that's that's protocol right. like no indication that his heart has stopped, but she's pushing on his chest, she says. Mm-hmm. And then she poured cold water on him, which we've heard that a couple times from abuse abusers, mm-hmm. that they pour cold water on their children. That's yeah. It's nowhere in the PDF on how to properly revive an individual. So It's like a cartoonish way to deal with a situation yeah. like this. It also just sounds like she's making stuff up because she... Did something horrible to her kid, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. So the caller you just heard was Cynthia Varela Casaus, which was Omari's mom. But let's just skip the rundown on what she was saying on the call because she is a giant monster and she abuses her kids. So let's just jump to the autopsy report because Omari died in that home on that night. How old was Omari again? Sorry. Nine years old. Nine? Nine years old. Nine referrals on record with the CYFD. Two confirmed abuse. Zero. Big flat zero. Big flat zero on on anybody helping. Another big flat zero. None of what she said on the call was actually true. Uh, while galumphing into court to stand trial, she was recorded out front by local news mumbling about how she was just trying to discipline him, and she kicked him the quote wrong way. Hey, Luna, what's the right way to kick a child during a discipline session? Uh, Right between the legs. (laughs) I don't know. You just don't. I wonder if if that was something that she had been instructed on during any of the multitude of visits by the police or by CYFD. Oh, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. In fact, actually, though, in fact, when the officers responded to Omari's initial 911 call that we heard, on their way out of the house, Omari's parents asked for advice on how to discipline Omari and whether or not certain chores could be justified by a kid his age. And the officers gave them their opinion. Sounds like everyone was really on board with making sure that Omari was raised right. 
Yeah, right. And that's a diverse, diver, diversion tactic yeah. by an abuser too. Like acting like, yeah, no, we're involved. Like we we want to, we want the what's best for him too. And yeah. it's just all a smokescreen. Totally, totally. I have body cam footage uh, that I'll post on Patreon of the visit that mm-hmm. they made, and you'll see that the whole time. The whole time through the body cam footage, you can see Omari is just standing there, eyes locked on the officers. Like, are you going to uh, do anything? Are you yeah. Gonna, like, what? He's his stepfather has him close, which is you know once again bully abuser tactic. Yeah. Like control. Remind this kid that yeah he's still here. Okay. Oh gosh, just so frustrating. Anyway, back to the autopsy. Oh good. Yeah, this is what. Yeah. This is the good part. <laughs> I, I feel like I kind of dropped that bomb on everybody here that he died, but yeah. just all of these things were leading up to, and nobody was taking him seriously. Nobody was pulling him aside. Where in the world was CYFD? In hindsight, it's so easy to beat everybody up, but mm-hmm. I do believe there was some serious balls dropped in yeah, this case. Huge balls, man. Huge balls dropped. By adults. Adult-sized balls were dropped. He was nine. Mm. Nobody else was picking up what he was dropping. All right. So frustrating. It revealed that Omari had a whole grab bag of injuries, actually. Some fresh, many old ones, and some were deadly. Contrary to Cynthia's account, Omari wasn't just kicked, or as the autopsy put it, kicked to death, Mm. but she also knocked him into a dresser, and after he fell to the floor, she stomped on him twice and kicked him in the stomach. Steve Casaus... Amari's stepfather and off-limits to the law because his relative was a cop that got released kind of guy, Hmm. initially claimed that he wasn't home when everything went down, but the report states that he heard Cynthia beating Omari. This was revealed when Steve, in the weeks after Omari's death, was standing in front of a judge on drug charges, saying how difficult the last little while had been for him personally, what with Omari's death and, quote, it just being really tragic. Uh, Cynthia, in court, was given 40 years in prison for the abuse and murder of her son, Omari. And Steve, after a lot of litigation and a lot of back and forth, was finally sentenced in 2015 to 30 years in prison. His charges included tampering with evidence and intimidating witnesses. Sounds, yeah, really upstanding people here who were just there to discipline their son, you know, and raise him right. They are both currently cowardly trash people serving in their respective holes in the New Mexico prison system. The other children in the home were relocated to much better living arrangements, being raised by their auntie. Their aunt said that the ordeal has been heartbreaking with the children, asking her shortly after coming to live with her, Auntie, can't Omari be fixed? Can't God or the doctors fix him? It was also revealed that Omari, a year before his death, had reported the abuse to his school. I believe he attended Big Flat Zero Elementary School. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Oh, that sucks, man. I, this reminds me of uh, a video I saw recently. My son showed it to me. He thought it was funny, and I'm watching it. I'm like, this isn't funny. The kid had shot a BB gun, and it broke the front door window, and he was really upset because he knew his mom was going to be mad. And all of his siblings are around, and they're like, oh, you're going to get it. So he calls his mom on his cell phone. This is all being videotaped. It's up on a – it's like a – I don't know. 
where where he saw it. It must have been YouTube. And um, the kid is like nine years old, little, and he's like, "Hey, mom, uh, I broke the window by accident. She, I just want you to know before you come home." So, you, and you just hear the mom screaming, and then he hangs up the phone. And then in the next kind of clip or next section, the kid is running away from home. He's got like a bag, and they're like, "Where are you going? Seriously?" And he's like, "I can't take it. I can't take it." Huh. And uh, then there's a clip a little bit later, and the kid is the mom comes home. And the kid has been brought back, I'm assuming, by his brothers and sisters. And as soon as she gets to the door, she sees the broken window, and she starts chasing the kid all around the house. And the kid is like, looks like he's running for his life, and everybody's kind of laughing, right? And then the clip cuts out. And this was posed, my son thought this was funny, and you can tell it's real. Um, and there's like th- this culture in some communities with some families where it's like, yeah, I got whipped when I was a kid, and it kind of set me straight. I needed it. and But... but <laughs> I think a lot of people hide behind that, uh, like this tough facade of growing up in a tough family uh, where there's real abuses and real like um, uh, terrorization happening to children by older adults who probably are mentally ill in some way. Like that, seeing that kid running away from his mother and how scared he was that whole entire day, I'm like, there's no lessons being learned here except for don't screw up or else your mom's going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And, well, and to your point, uh, life is full of learning lessons and kids are, their brains fall out and we have to discipline and we have to teach them. We have to bring them up in the right way. But in a case like this or cases like this where organizations, the state departments are informed about what's happening. And I get it. There are restrictions. There, there are certain things that just can't be done. You know, SWAT's not going to bust down the door and take this kid from the parents because the parents are smart. They've been institutionalized. Yeah. They know how to work the system. They know what to say and what not to say. They know how to hit a kid and hide it. Um, they know how to intimidate people into silence, too. You yeah. heard even Omari's stepfather was intimidating other people around the case. Yeah. Exactly. So all of that, and then on top of that, you know, these organizations, these departments, these people that have to, the the responders, you're going to get jaded, right? You you end up for the ninth time going to these people's house, and it's, again, just a big flat zero of, of results. You can't find, you know, there's no proof. You can't you can't just surmise that something's being done and take action necessarily. It, it, it's a quagmire. It's a quagmire because people suck sometimes. P- parents are terrible sometimes, and abusers abuse. And that's honestly that's one of the things that bugs me about uh, ideologues when it comes to you know people that are like, I'm not gonna rest until all abuse is taken care. And they take a really hard line mm. and they blame everybody. But you're never going to stop Rufus McWilliams in a mountain somewhere in Tennessee beating his child. That's going to happen. So the best we can do is stay informed and communicate outbound and say something if you see something. Question. Question it. And don't be bullied bullied yourself by these people when they they feed you a line or tell you to back off and mind your own business. My thing has always been... If I feel that something's not right about a situation and I question the people that are kind of involved or might be perpetrating this uncomfortable situation, if say it involves a kid, if their response to me is for me to shut up and mind my own business, Mm -hmm. that's even more proof and more indication that something wrong is happening here. If there's nothing really going on and if it's a healthy situation that I'm mistaking for something that might be nefarious, a word I haven't been able to grab in the past, is, um, you know... 
it's it, the alarm bells should be going off all over the place when somebody comes really secretive and 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 uh, pushing you away when you question something. At that point, you go to child services, in my opinion. Hey, you know what? And being a father of a whole round of children that brought us different uh, experiences in Walmart. Uh, mm-hmm. I can relate with somebody whose child is, you know, not acting the right way in Walmart. But I will say, I think if you're showing aspects of your behavior that, that you are physical toward your child in public, yeah, I think it's safe to say that somebody might assume that they should step in because if that's happening in Walmart, yes, I would guess it's a lot worse in private. So, yes. You know, same with with the way guys treat their girlfriends uh, in public, like demeaning them, putting them down. You see, or like a wife of a man doesn't really speak much when you're at like a party or something with them. I'm always like watching these people. I mean, you can you're never going to be like a superhero and fix everything, but a little bit of awareness and uh, a few conversations with people and kind of banding together and trying to figure these things out for people who can't speak up for themselves probably goes a long way. Fortunately, we're living in a time where people are very open to canceling people yeah. you know, yeah. and calling people on stuff. Right. Uh, focus a lot of that, and we should be focusing that energy, a lot of it, definitely into um, situations that we might be not wanting to see that are right in front of us in our communities. We've talked about it before, you know, what happened to Omari is tragic, and a lot of people seem to be aware of it, but this is also happening 10 doors down from you right now, 7 p.m., Yeah, in a house near you, and oftentimes very often it's within earshot and yeah. the you know the best we can do is is remember that there's little children that can't that can't defend themselves and that it doesn't take you you don't you should not deceive yourself into believing that you need a lot of context in order to act on a situation where you think a child is in danger yeah uh you don't need context you don't need to say well, I don't know that family well enough, so I'm not quite sure what they're dealing with. No, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, and getting involved, you know, takes risk. It also, you know, takes some bravery to get involved and be able to, you know, take a question. I think often people don't, sorry to cut you yeah. off there. I, I think often people don't get involved and and they tell themselves and they tell other people it's, that it's none of their business and that they can't be sure, so they don't want to, and they hope that it all just works out for the best and some people parent in different ways. These are all excuses. These are all excuses for your cowardice. If you feel that something's wrong, right, and I'm talking to myself too, I'm not brave every single time one of these situations comes up. I, I try to hope for the best. I'm a little apathetic. I, I, I don't want to spend my time getting into a crappy situation because I've, I'd rather spend my time in better situations mm-hmm. and not think about these things. But um, it's important. I mean, like a kid like Amari or like a, a, a wife that's being beaten down and can't even stand up for herself because she's convinced herself that she deserves this because she's so brainwashed by, by the man that she's with, they, they can't help themselves. Yep. And they need some real blunt help. If we're just talking about Omari's situation... Which people like? Which people are we aware of that could have potentially changed the course of this? Um, one comes to mind. Apparently, there's a pseudo upstanding former cop, right? That's related to Steve. Uh, you know where where was where was he? Was he the was he the husband to Auntie that ended up taking him? I don't know. Where was you know Auntie was somewhere? I bless her heart for taking on the kids after the fact, but. 
These people had family. We all we all can do more than we think. I think you know. Do you know who I I often when I was younger I guess kind of like fantasized. I <laughs> that's a weird thing to say, but Jason Vukovic, the Alaskan Avenger that we covered a couple of times here, yeah. and I'm in, in contact with, and so is Kenton. Everything yeah, I, with him, he always said, "I always hoped that there would be some big, muscly, tatted up guy that would kick in the door one day and beat the crap out of my stepfather and just make everything right." And he eventually wanted to become that person himself, he said, in some ways. Why? I always um, was really intrigued by Gordon Ramsay on his shows, the way that he, even though it's a little much, just his ability to confront anything that he felt was a little bit off in his shows. I learned a lot from him when it comes to confrontation. A lot of it isn't you know, done the correct way. A lot of it, again, is for like entertainment. But the fact that he's willing to just question everything and call people on everything, I think a lot of the times in um, social situations, in our families, we need a guy or a girl who's got that set of balls on them that just cuts all the crap and comes in and says, hey, this doesn't feel right. I don't care what your excuses are. Like, this isn't Right. No matter what excuse it is, there's something that's here that just doesn't feel right. And there's very few people like that that will just, they have the ability to just cut through all the crap and lay it bare and start to start to work it through. If We need more of those people in social services is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's true. I think, you know, they get, they get taxed. They, they, I'm not sure the pathway into a social services degree but, or job, but I know that the ones that I know the majority of them take their job seriously and that there are yeah. strains on their resources and everything. I Okay, here's where I put myself in these shoes. I've tried to say, okay, let's say I lose it in my front yard and I, and I put my hands on Sam. I'm physical with Sam 2.0 at one point. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor has the bravery to call the cops on me or, or come over and confront me about it. And everything, knowing my knowing my personality, and that that I'm not a serial abuser. How do I respond to that? I think initially, initially I might be upset that my neighbor came 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 over or tried to intervene in a way. But if that neighbor embarrassed, embarrassed, uh, yes, and it's all stemming from embarrassment, right? It's and you should be, yes. And I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not mad at my neighbor for doing that. I'm, right, I'm mad at myself, right? Right. This is this is the case of a non-abuser. How how it should respond? And I was just talking about ideologues, you know, and how they kind of drive me nuts because at all costs they want to see you know, the whole world liberated from X, Y, or Z. Here's somewhere mm-hmm. where you can be an ideologue is. You can con- confidently continue, regardless if I'm upset or embarrassed or put off that you would put your nose in my business. One place you can be an ideologue, and I can never beat you on that point, is you say, look, if I ever feel like a child is in danger, I will do something. And yeah. and as my neighbor, I got to respect that. I might I might be like, yeah, well, you didn't need to get... But he could. they could just keep saying that. Look... If I, fe- I felt like your child was in danger, so I did something. You can hate yes. me all you want, and we can never do a barbecue again or whatever. But at some point, if I'm self-aware, I'm going to come to the conclusion that this person had my, my child's interest in heart. And that's, gra- that's great. If I'm, a, if I'm an abuser, 
I will never let go of that that anger. And then my neighbor goes, see, I probably have to do this more than once knowing the the fact that this guy can't seem to get over the fact that, you know, I caught him on his on his crap. Yes, yes, because no one's calling him on his crap because right. he thinks he's a king in his own castle and he's just treating the subjects like little uh, slaves of his. It often happens. Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to get past, and I think a lot of people struggle with this too, it's actually a cop-out, is saying that it's none of my business. The moment that it starts to bother you, the moment something's going on around you that is make you, making you feel uncomfortable with what the situation might be like behind the scenes, say in a situation like this, the moment you start to think about it and are worried about it, it is your business. It's, it's become your business because you've been exposed to it. So you're, you're fully within your rights to go up to that person or knock on that door or call Children's Services or the police even and confront this so that you can um, alleviate that worry that has been put into your spirit or into your mind or your heart or whatever based on that somebody's actions or what you've witnessed. Yep. and It's your business. A rabbit hole goes deep, right? We know that in, in putting, your, putting yourself in there abuser might leave for a little bit of time get their wrist slapped and they come back but we've talked about this we've talked about the fact that that person everybody might not want you to get involved in that house because they're like look you can't you can't keep him far enough away you, you he might do a little time but he's coming back and and that's the that's the reasoning for for them not doing anything themselves if they're being abused and not wanting people to get involved and maybe your excuse as to why not to get involved but here's the bottom line is you can either not get involved and continue to not generate a paper trail on an abuser or you can get involved and it might be death by a thousand paper cuts but there is a thousand paper trails at the end, when that guy gets what's coming to him, and those are the hard decisions you got to make when you know you're dealing with an abuser, is do you not say anything, and when something really bad goes down, that judge looks at that guy and says, well, you're a first-time offender. There's nothing on the books mm-hmm. to say you've ever done this before, so I'm not going to give you a hard sentence. Or, hey, the last seven neighbors you've had have reported incidents of you with abusive behavior. Maybe none of those ended up being charges filed, but at some point, it's going to catch up. Yeah, is that oversimplifying? Tell me, as a not no. as somebody who you know wasn't beaten, as a, am I oversimplifying things? There, do you think? I wasn't really. I wasn't beaten or anything. But like, uh, there was I know you weren't either. Things I, that I, you know, no, no, right, no. But but seeing seeing things, um, dude, I'll say I'll say this. It, like you, you just you said it earlier. I can't really answer your question. I don't think it was. Um, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. And you might even be doing it yourself and not even realizing that you're doing it to the people around you just because you've gotten into, like, a groove. Like, this is just the way I am. I'm a little bit snippy sometimes. You know, I I tend to have a bit of a control uh, issues where I need to be on top of everything all the time. You might not even realize that you're doing it. But any situation, I keep on flashing into my mind, but Amari standing there with his stepfather's arm on his shoulder, staring at at the body cam. Right, I think most people, if they were put in a room and shown that footage, and they were say they were to say, what percentage of a chance do you think there is that this kid is being abused by this man who's being accused of of the possibility of this happening? What do you think the percentage of people would say that it's likely? Looking at that footage, oh gosh, I, I, I think like without knowing what happens. Well, it, it, the the fun that yeah, well, 
having being separated from it, having some distance from it, I think everybody would be like, oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we know. We know when these things when these things are happening, and I think almost like a hundred percent of the time we turn a blind eye to it because we say we don't have any proof. The, I'm, what I'm trying to say is the only indication, uh, like inkling, inkling of proof that I need is feeling uncomfortable about a particular situation, it, uh, and that should motivate people to question. And it's there's no harm in questioning. And if the person, again, if they rebuff that and if they get aggressive with you because of it, even more proof that there's likely something going on, right? Right. Yeah. I've collected a couple resources on that question, and I think I'll post them in the description of this episode. It's a weird one because we'll post links all day long and everybody will. They're like, hey, if you know, if you are or if you are or know someone that's being abused, click this yeah. for the resource. I'm going to post some links to a special group of people. What if you're the abuser? What to do next? Yeah. Uh, are you an abuser? Here's how to find out. Uh, so I'm going to post some links so that in in the, the quiet moments in between you beating someone or abusing someone <laughs> verbally, you can take this quiz and see if you are. I, I, w- I, would, I would highly, what am I trying to say? I would place a high wage on the fact that that there's a certain swath of abusers in the world that do not think that they're abusers. I bet you there's uh, hundreds of people listening right now that are abusers and don't even know it. Yeah. And I and the reason why I say that is because I have it I have it in my mind. I know that I could be an abuser with my um past, my lineage, what's in my spirit, what's in my heart, it's my my anger issues and stuff like that, things that come up from time to time in certain situations that I have to combat myself and be aware of. Thankfully, I went to school for this kind of thing and I have more of an awareness and have had a lot of open conversations with people who have been through these type of things, so I'm aware of these things that I I'm capable of doing little manipulations, power moves, using my size to intimidate people, um, trying to out-talk them, make them feel stupid, make them f- they, just because someone's not speaking back to you or um, standing up for themselves, that doesn't mean you're winning a battle. Maybe it means that you've intimidated to the, them to the point where they feel like they're not safe to speak their mind with you. Yeah. This is happening often in, in families and, and friendships and even uh, work environments around the world. Abuser is a banner that I think we apply to a certain percentage of you know the swath of our society that needs to be brought to justice. But in reality, yes, that's true. But in reality, there are elements of abuse that can be in, in our, own, our own personalities that should be excised, that we should learn how to work through that. That abuser is, is, is something that in the worst cases is a label that uh, should be applied to some people. Um, but for everybody else that has abusive tendencies, but they're still, they still bake a cake for their neighbor or they're really oh, good yeah. at their job or everybody at church loves them, that, that, though, that, that it's a stigma you don't want and that actually life could be better for yourself and for others if we were to just to get rid of those little things. So, you know. There's a great, it's a great feeling, too, if you recognize something that you've done you know, that you you didn't necessarily mean to do, but you just kind of did it naturally because you have maybe a violent tendency or a manipulative tendency or just a jealous or vindictive tendencies within you where you think about, you know, it's, it, meditating is, I think, pretty important and a lot of people don't do it. Another thing I wish they would teach in schools is just inst- 
give them a class where they teach them to be quiet and listen to themselves for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can look over your day and consider the way you've treated certain people and uh, try to figure out why you might have done something a certain way, going up to somebody after you've had an altercation with them or said something to them that you think that might have might have been abusive and you feel sorry about it, um, it's okay to walk up to them and say, hey, that conversation that we had the other day, I don't feel right about it. I didn't like the way it le- we left on turn, the way that you responded to me. Did it make you uncomfortable? And you can s- start to learn more about how you're affecting other people by, um, by asking them outright. It's, man, life, so much just gets swept underneath the rug and we just go forward and we don't deal with these things. It would be nice if people just started to really speak more about these these silent, um, nonverbal, you know, things that that happen all the time. Yeah, that build up too. That build up and get worse and faster. They do, and and it's it's I don't know. It's like have you ever seen a bodybuilder in a gym working out? And they, it's really interesting to watch a bodybuilder work out because they're not just lifting random heavy things and just chucking them right. over their head. A, a professional bodybuilder is identified a single muscle and yeah. they work a certain routine of weights or movement and they watch that muscle through the whole workout. And they watch wow. to make sure, because proper form means that they can isolate the rest of their movement to just that space. And I think for the rest of us that where we may have a, a you know, a chip off, you know, we're not completely refined. Um, to think that, that, that we could have to, to fix something like an abusive tendency isn't fun. It's not exciting. But at the same time, it's like that bodybuilder where you, you're a great person everywhere else. You, like I said, p- the church people love you. Everybody at work thinks you're amazing. Everyone laughs, laughs at your jokes at the barbecue. But you got this one thing, and you know it, and your family knows it, and your friends know it. If that's you, I'll give you this bit of advice, and then I'll also put some links. If you answered yes to any of the questions that are that are asked on the links that I send you— what you can do is you can see a licensed professional counselor or a clinical social worker for counseling. And that's something you can just do on your own. You don't have to wait for the cops <laughs> <laughs> to take you away. Or for a court order. <laughs> you know, these are things where life could be better. And and sometimes yeah. we end up becoming those things that we hate the most. And if that's you, then maybe these resources might help. I'll say one last thing. We went on and on yeah, about this, and this is not a therapy session for an entire group of people, but we have a tendency to do this at times. When it comes to like really, th- this case should be high profile. That's the word I was going to phrase I was going to use, but um, really like kind of emotional and disturbing cases like that, like this. Um, oh man, sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. What was I saying? You were saying uh, we've gone on and on about this. Uh, this isn't a counseling session. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a moment there. Um, if you're the type of person who ever shifts blame, you know, like in for any reason, then that's a big, big indicator that you're likely um, have some tendencies to to just be a bit of a. A, a weirdo who manipulates people uh-huh. and possibly abuses and yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, mis misuses people's trust and and you know takes advantage of people in a weird situation. Any shift, any bl- sh- shift, blaming, blaming shifts. You know, yeah. Like I, 
I feel like I rarely do that these days, the more that I've worked on myself. If somebody accuses me of something, I don't point at them and say, well, you did right. this, right? right? It's more like, okay, I can accept that. Yeah. Uh, I'll work on that. Tell me more about why you think I'm. this is yeah. happening and then kind of work through the it. The apex you know I mean? example of what the abuser is, the look what you made me do, you know? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, that's a big Hey, one. you know what? Uh, because we have the air and we've got the microphones, I'm going to I'm going to ask some can I ask you I'm not going to ask you the questions, but in your mind, let me ask you some of the questions from this link in case your thumbs aren't working and you just want to keep listening. How about that? Would that be okay? You think oh, yeah. okay. Here we go. If you answer yes to any of those, there might be something that that could be refined. Here we go. Did your partner already tell you that you're abusive? Or have you had partners in the past that have told you you're abusive? Is your spouse afraid of you? Have you ever threatened to kill your spouse? Do you believe that your way is the only way? Or I might add to that, that you feel like people really should hear what you have to say. That can that can eke into that territory of that you feel like your way is the only way. Have you ever hit, slapped, pushed, pulled hair, or choked your spouse that could probably split into a couple roads, so we'll just leave that in the abuse category. <laughs> um, do you often feel jealous? Do you believe you have the right to know what your spouse is doing and where your spouse is all the time? Do you call or text your spouse incessantly when they're out without you? Do you think of yourself as in charge? Do you enjoy seeing your spouse in pain, crying, or hurt? Which sounds like a weird question, but... Oftentimes, I get it. Yeah, the the seeing others in pain when you're in pain yourself is a thing. Or when somebody's crying about like a particular situation that you're involved in with them, it means that they care on some level too. Yeah, you're translating and, and, it as they care, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you believe your spouse deserves to be hit or yelled at or punished? Do you believe your spouse asked for it? Do you break or destroy your spouse's belongings on purpose? Have you ever been arrested for violent behavior? Do others tell you that you have an anger problem? Do others tell you you seem paranoid? Are you afraid of asking for help because you might lose everything that is important to you? That's a huge one. I think that's yep. a huge one. You know the storm that's coming if you ask for help. Yep. And so that can paralyze people. Yeah, and you're admitting that you have a problem, which is hard for a lot of these people. Yeah, and you're worried that, that everybody's going to leave you when in reality, and this is hard to hear, but in reality, if you recognize that you have a problem and you're willing to do something about it, you might be actually reinforcing the support you get from those people around you. Uh, you are. You would be. Definitely. Imagine being abused by somebody and it's on a level where like, you feel like even if I say the slightest thing, they're going to tear me apart verbally or physically. That person comes to you and says, hey, listen, I understand that I have a problem. I don't like the way I've been treating you. I don't like the way you appear to be feeling when you're around yeah. me. I'm trying to get help for this. Can you help me work through this process? Can you imagine the relief on that other person? Yeah. And how much that they're going to they're going to respect and possibly, you know, re get some pure love for you rather than just this forced fear-based love? If nothing else, you're going to feel good about yourself. Uh, yeah. you know, and and uh, honestly, a real legit certified abuser if they were to get help and to recover a part of their life and recover part of their their emotional sanity, I think in hindsight, they'd look at any relationship where somebody got away from them and be like, yeah, they dodged a bullet. Yeah. I really believe that. I mean, they, there may be a feeling of longing or loss, you know, that darn it, I wish I, I wished that person had stuck around, but that's on, that's, that's their agency to, to decide whether or not 
you know, you, you've kind of built a, built a, uh, your own machine here and whether or not they're going to stick around is, is on them. But, you know, if you could look behind you and see like a whole bunch of people that have left you and you're the type who's like, everybody leaves me, everybody gives up on me. Yeah. You know, I've been screwed so many times in relationships. It's like, dude, you got to take a look at yourself. You did that. Right. You did that. And the the more that you just blame everybody else and don't take a look at yourself, the more likely you are to continue that that trend because you 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 haven't fixed what it is that's causing all these people to be to want to want to get away from you. Right. One of the most ironic things I think is that more often than not a bully thinks they're a victim. They never say it. Yes. But the bully is a bully because they think they're a victim in one way or the other. That's a yes. you know kind of a damaged way of looking at things. Uh, a couple more questions. Has your spouse ever tried to leave you? Do you think about, quote, getting even with your spouse, or do you twist things around, lie, or exaggerate to make your partner doubt themselves and their sense of reality? This There's a whole lot more on this. Yes, gaslighting. A whole lot more on this, um, but I think that's enough. But, you know, that makes me think on, on a couple of those things. I'm like, wow, you know, I love yeah. being right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. And I don't have to be a verbal or physical abuser to look at some of those and go, yeah, you know, I do have a tendency to be overly argumentative. And there are times where I'll argue with, with someone and they do shut up after a while. Yeah. And I instantly regret it. They're like, no, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Let's move on. I'm like, no, I didn't want it this way. I wanted you to, <laughs> I didn't want to force you, you know. So even worse, yeah, right? It's terrible. It's a bad spot to be in. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't mean to, uh, to take away from what we're talking about here by acting like we're trying to be more than what we are. We're just, uh, we haven't talked for a while. We, we haven't put out an episode for a while. And uh, it's just good to be talking to you and, and breaking this kind of thing down once again. It is. Did we did we do a happy ending? Uh, no. <laughs> Unless that was the happy no. ending right there when we talked about how everybody's an abuser that's listening to this episode <laughs> and they need to get help. <laughs> let's let's do that. Let's do a happy ending. How All about right. that? Okay. When I say the the name Karen, what comes to mind? Short hair, probably dyed prostitutes. <laughs> mean look on her face. Prostit? Waddle. Did you say prostitutes? Frosted tips. Yes. Frost frosted tips is what you said. Okay, not prostitute. Okay, gotcha. Woo. Well, I've got a story for you. I've got a call for you that's going to change your mind, at least on one Karen okay. in the world. All right, here we go. Your mommy talking to you? No. She's not talking to you. Has she got her eyes open? She's blinking and she does have her eyes open. She's got her eyes open, has she? Tyron, can can you take the phone to Mummy? Did you do you think you've banged your head? Um, no, my head's hurting anyway. All right, my darling. Well, your little boy's done a really good job. Okay, we've got an ambulance on its way to you. Are you all right? <laughs> Tyron, are you back on the phone now? Yeah. Hi. Are you all right to keep your eye on your mummy? Yeah. She's a little bit upset, so I think she could do with a big cuddle. Um, that mama said she's a little bit cold. Can you get her a blanket? 
You've got her a blanket, have you? Okay. You're going to be late for school? Yeah. Don't worry about school, sweetheart. They will understand. Do you think you can get the key with the, with the step? You'll be very careful. Why? I've missed it. You've missed it. Have you got a brush so you can knock it off? Good lad. Are you going to put it in the door and unlock it for me? Unlock it. All right. Don't open the door yet, sweetheart, because it's very cold. I want you to go and sit by mummy. Okay. And how long was mummy asleep for before she opened her eyes? I think she was there for five minutes with her eyes closed. Did you phone her straight away? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to wake her up, but yeah. I called 999. Excellent. Who taught you how to do that? Mummy, when she doesn't clap. So, what's your name? Kyron. Kyron, and why have we been here today? Because I called 999. Wow, and what have you, what have we given you for doing that? A medal and an award. And do you like it? Yeah. Fab. And what is it you've got in your hands? I've got some badges. And who are they for? The paramedics. Do you want to give them to you then? Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you, Kyron. You. <laughs> Sweet boy, thank you. <laughs> and why have you given our paramedics a badge? Because they gave me my award and my certificate. And did you want to say thank you? Yeah. That's very kind of you. Oh, so, okay, it's not exactly Karen, it's Kyron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I got it. Hey, the the Brits have two major advantages when it comes to emergency services that I really realized on that particular call. And the first is that 999 is way easier to remember than 911 for yeah, kids. Yeah, one button three times. And Mary Poppins works... <laughs> Didn't that lady sound like Mary Poppins? Yeah. She was beautiful. Yeah, she was the, the whole The whole call was... Was a pleasure. Was a real pleasure. Yep. So Kyron, he saved his mom. Well, you know, he helped his mom uh, when she fell. I, I just am more and more. You know what? I do. I think what everybody does. You know, when a podcaster's like, subscribe to this channel, and you're like listening, mm-hmm. you don't do it. <laughs> you just no. like keep listening. There's no action plan. I, I'm seriously the same way. I'm like, I, I run this podcast and I still don't teach my kids. I haven't done everything I could so that they they would their reflex would be to call 911 if I were to just double over. Uh, I was just thinking the same thing as he was talking. I'm like, man, I still haven't really taught my four-year-old 911. I think, if I'm being completely honest, my concern is that he's just going to call it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like after I teach him. Okay, so two things. One, he calls it, it's a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. Part two, you and I have another happy ending to uh, to use. So I don't yeah. see a problem here. <laughs> All right. I'll get him to call yeah. 911 this, this evening. I'm tempted to think that maybe I will just create my own stupid silly song to train children on how to do 911. 
and I'll test it on my kids. If it works, maybe I'll make it public. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, anyway, go work on not being an abuser, buddy. <laughs> yeah, or a victim. Or a I mean, victim. we didn't cover all everything, but I mean, there's some pretty annoying victims out there too, like we were just talking about off <laughs> off camera. But you can't cover everything in in one podcast, so we tried it. We tried our best. We can only fix so many people <laughs> using a podcast as a format. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh! All right. all right, hey, hugs, everybody. Well, that wraps up episode fifty. How did we get here? It's crazy. Actually, we know how we got here because you're listening and we really appreciate that. Our hearts overflow it. Hey, with episode 50 now in the bag, we've decided to bag season two. Season three is coming on the next episode. We've made a couple adjustments, revised the cover art so it's a more attractive face. Maybe it's my face. Who knows? I don't know yet. You'll see soon. It's going to be fun. We've got a whole lot in store for season three, and we appreciate you hanging on through all the ups and downs and the good times and the store. (laughs) But we're very grateful that you're here. If you want more of us, you can find a ton of our content over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 1159media. If you like to chitter chatter and you like the social medias, We've got some very lively groups over on Facebook. Facebook group 911 Calls Podcast with the Operator. We've got one for True Crime Kent. We've got one for Dark Topic Podcast. And 1159 Media is there as well with some kind of corporate page, which we babysit every once in a while. Anyway, we're so grateful you're here. and so grateful that we're able to do this and that you give us time to put our weird voices in your earballs. Hugs. <laughs> <laughs>